Hello, we are back with episode two of A Youthful Take. I am Jack Selford. And I'm Sam Greenberg. And let's jump into the news recap of the week. So first, we have a tragedy in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, a Taurus submarine with uh, high-paying Taurus billionaires that have paid to go in the submarine and search for the um, Titanic shipwreck have gone missing um, on Sunday was the last time they were sighted. They sent out a distress signal, and there is a major search effort um, going on for the missing uh, the missing submarine. Um, the interestingly enough, the uh, submarine is operated by a video game controller, which I don't know if that caused the the accident, but that's something to be looked at. Um, so far, they will run out of oxygen. On Thursday, we're recording this on Wednesday, so it's becoming kind of dire, dire situation. They're running out of oxygen soon. There have been some signs of life. Apparently, the, um, the people trapped inside have been banging on the um, banging on the machine, and it's getting picked up by sonar. But it's it's so deep down, it's so deep that it may be impossible to find at this point. It's crazy. Very tragic. The U.S. Open happened this yep. past in week. In other news. In other news, the U.S. Open happened this past week at L.A. Country Club, um, our native course here. I had the pleasure of going on Wednesday to the practice round where I saw a bunch of my favorite golfers. Very cool, my, Jack. Happy for you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> my personal favorite golfer is Sahith Gala. I got to see him. I got a cool picture with him in the background. Um, he's way taller in person. But, yeah, I was held at L.A. Country Club. During the practice round, I got to walk around and see all the players, but um, you don't get to really get very close to them. Usually at tournaments, you're allowed to, especially on the tee box. Like those you're guys are going like this and hold everyone Yeah, back. you're extremely close to them on the tee box, but you're at least 30 yards apart. Tell here. us who won, Jack. Tell us what happened. Well, Wyndham Clark, probably the most random name you've ever heard. I've never heard of him. Won the U.S. Open this year after being, he was kind of in the top three all week. Ricky Fowler was leading. Rory was in there. But Wyndham Clark, played. he's played smart golf. He played conservative golf, and he won. He, uh, fun fact about him, he was the Pac-12 player of the year, I believe, in 2017 because he transferred some, from somewhere else to, like, Oregon. Um, but, yeah, the U.S. Open concluded on Sunday where Wyndham Clark hit a par putt to close out the tournament. Thank you, Jack. Congrats to Wyndham Clark. Thank you, Jack. Um... To jump in some more sports news, uh, this is I'm pretty interested in European soccer, and so this is something that's pretty cool to me. The Saudi Arabian Premier League, which is not in Europe, clearly, because it's Saudi Arabia, but... Really? So, uh, soccer in Europe <laughs> is dominated by five countries, and it's always been like that. The English Premier League has all the money, but yeah. this summer, the Saudi Arabian League has been putting in billions of dollars to sign some of the biggest mm -hmm. names, and historically... Players, like top stars, go to clubs outside of Europe when they're like 35, their career is coming to yeah, an yeah. end. But what's new is that Angelo Conte, who's one of the best players in the world re the past few years. From Chelsea. From right? Chelsea, is yep. going to Al Ittihad in Saudi Arabia. That's crazy. For hundreds of millions of dollars, which, and he's only 31, still, still up there. Yeah. But he's still in his prime. He could stay in Europe. And so... Well, that's well, a major change. Yeah. What's going on with Kareem Benzema? Isn't he going? He's to going to. He's old, so that's not that surprising. 
Yeah. Um, but a lot of Chelsea players, Eduardo Mendy, their goalkeeper, who's not Damn. not too old, but they played twenties, is heading That's over. Crazy. Um, and this is one of the most surprising. Ruben Neves, who's a Portuguese midfielder, only twenty six. He had links to Barcelona. Mm. He is going to um, what's the club? Al. Something. But he's he, going to Saudi Arabia. He's going to Saudi Arabia, which is very surprising. He Jeez. at twenty six years old, so it's a major change in the world yeah. of soccer. Major change. And it's a whole new league. Like at the end of the summer, I probably twenty five big stars are gonna be in Saudi Arabia and that's gonna be cool to watch, which I'm surprised to say. Well yeah, Ronaldo's already there. Ronaldo's right? kicked it all yeah. off. Started from started by Ronaldo. But okay. yeah. In other news, I've got kind of two joint tragedies, we'll call it. A Russian man, Vladimir Popov, was traveling in Egypt this last week, where he wanted to go for a swim. Yeah, he was encountered sad. by a tiger shark, very sad. who ended up eating him. Um, There's a tragic video that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, I would not recommend going to watch it. If you say not but, recommended, go to watch it. That's recommended. Yeah. People, to People are going to go watch but it anyway, really, but it's... Really yeah, he kind of flails around. He gets eaten by a shark. It's really depressing. Terrible. That's... Yeah. Um, and the locals, after he got eaten, the locals went out and uh, killed the shark. Yeah. I disagree with that because... Revenge. What I don't that know. Do? Yeah. Just killing a shark. Like. And then the other tragedy, earlier this week, a man was taking a trip to the Grand Canyon. Um, he was on, like, that famous area where you can look, look down. It's, like, old glass and look over, and he fell off. He plummeted 4,000 feet oh to his death. God. Two young men tragedies rough. this week. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've got the migrant boat disaster. Oh, yeah. So this was early this week. A lot of tragedies this week. I don't think there's been any major, major news stories. Yeah, it's kind of a slow other news than, week in terms of... Slow news week in general, other than the Titanic thing, that's pretty major. Yeah. But a lot of, like, tragedies, yeah. So a migrant boat, overcrowded migrant boat carrying Pakistani migrants uh-huh. was in the Mediterranean, and it sunk, and hundreds of men, uh, men I'm, I think it's mainly men, are dead, uh, only a small minority have survived, many still missing. Um, this occurred on June 14th, and it's not, not looking good. Hundreds of, hundreds of Pakistani migrants are dead in the Mediterranean off the coast of Greece, and it's considered, the, I think, the biggest tragedy in the, the Mediterranean has ever seen, specifically. Because it was an overcrowded boat? I think it was right? overcrowded. It was carrying Pakistani yeah. migrants, overcrowded. I'm not sure if they were heading to Greece, but they were in the Mediterranean, um, it wasn't even, I don't think it was, it had to do with the storm, really. Maybe it did, yeah. but it, it was just overcrowded, like, poor, poor planning. Terrible. Okay, yeah. that kind of wraps up our news Conclu- recap this week. news recap. Um, we'll see you back with our special interview. Special guest, very special guest. See you shortly. We are here with my brother, Ted Greenberg. Ted is a sophomore at Wesleyan University and majors in political science. He is just beginning to break into the political scene as an intern for the Adam Schiff campaign. Ted, thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, Ted, what initially sparked your interest in pursuing politics as a career? 
I have, I'm a part of a very politically active family. Um, my parents are both very politically active, and so I've been exposed to politics uh, from a very young age. And it was something that I was always drawn to naturally, but was never my um, main interest. I was really into history for a time, and I kind of um, bounced around subjects that are, you know, uh, political adjacent, but it was never directly politics. And then I think with the 2020 election and just how much that... Um, kind of captivated the whole nation and everyone spe- and specifically just hearing about it all the time on TV, CNN, the news, talking about it at school, uh, really was what kind of sparked my interest to, to start focusing on politics specifically, just because I was so, um, I felt my, very engaged throughout that particular election cycle. And I was really interested and captivated the whole time. And it was something that I thought to myself, like, this is something that I could see myself doing at some point down the line. Um, and just being involved in this war in the political world, um, so definitely, I'd say 20, the 2020 election kind of catalyzed my interest. Uh, but I've always, it's always been something that I have been exposed to and engaged with. So it, was, it didn't really come out of nowhere, but it was more that like that's what drove me to take the next step into actually pursuing politics as a major, as a career path eventually down the line. Um, and it kind of helped shape my college application process as well, because it kind of allowed me to streamline my interests into one particular angle, and then allowed me to present myself as an aspiring politician to colleges. And so... Uh, you know, once that all kind of came together, it became pretty clear to me that this is what I wanted to do. All right. Um, what is your political affiliation and why? I would consider myself uh, a liberal Democrat for sure, but also um, I think I fall somewhere uh, center left, I think is the best way to describe um, at least my position on the political spectrum. I am very much in favor of a lot of the liberal agenda, but I do feel like sometimes it um, becomes unrealistic and in that po- and then when it gets to that point it actually becomes uh, unproductive to continue talking about mm-hmm. certain projects and ideas because they're not feasible in our current in our current economy um, in the current structure of society and so continuing to use certain um, you know policy goals and agendas as talking points when they are so clearly just talking points and actually have no uh, like legislative potential to me feels um, like a, like a mistake, like a messaging mistake. Uh, and I think that a lot of Democrats uh, and the DNC at large is is uh, guilty of that. So I do think, uh, I would say I'm a, I'm a Democratic realist in that I um, am very much a liberal and I, and I support a lot of the liberal values, but I do think first and foremost, I want to see legislation and I, like material legislation. And the way to do that is to be realistic and to try to stay towards the center because only that's kind of the only place where actual legislation can get done because the political spectrum is so polarized right now. It's important yeah. to try to remain rational. Yeah. With, yeah. with that kind of answer in mind, with the kind of polarization, you recently voted for the first time. What did that experience mean to you? Um, you know, I think that it was obviously a significant point in my life just in terms of my maturity and, and becoming a legal adult and being able to contribute a voice um, to the election. I think... I would say it's it was more significant to me in that it was like a turning point in my own life uh, as an individual and less so in terms of the implications of my vote just because mm-hmm. coming from California it's a very blue state the candidates I was I was voting for um were all you know polling very well and polling as victors prior to me casting my vote my vote I did not feel was particularly consequential as I'm sure a lot of liberal Californians feel just because yeah. the state is so blue um mm-hmm. So it is challenging to have, you know, one's own vote feel like it's giving, having much of an impact. Yeah. I also think that I was, um, you know, I voted for the first time in my senior year of high school, uh, which is 
overwhelming in its own right and had a lot going on at the time in terms of college applications and stuff like that. So I wasn't really able to devote what I f- wish I had been to investigating the candidates on my own and really seeing how my, um, you know, my own ideals aligned with theirs, where it more became I was voting for who, you know, my parents were voting for and who, um, you know, other liberals were voting for. And so I felt confident casting the votes because they had a lot of support behind them, but I felt like I didn't have enough of an understanding of the individuals I was actually voting for. I was voting for more just for a party at large and less yeah. for specific individuals. And I just, I don't think I gave them um, their due justice in terms of giving, you know, devoting enough time to investigating their initiatives and their goals and, um, you know, their backgrounds and stuff like that. And so, I, and, you know, in hindsight, I wish I had been able to have an opportunity to do more of that. And it's something that I definitely plan on um, prioritizing in the next election. So cycle. the person matters more to you than the party? Yeah. yeah. And you said, um, this, we don't really have this question set up, but I noticed you said you first voted senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, did you have any friends or, I don't know, classmates that you talked about it with who... Because you said, obviously, California is a very liberal state who kind of had the opposite vote view. Did you get their perspective on anything like that? So I think a lot of my friends are guilty of, of, of something similar to what I, um, you know, feel like I experienced in that when you vote for the first time, it it, it really does just become a process of, of aligning yourself with your parents and with those around you. And, and, and I think that a lot of my friends... Um, at least those that voted, because like there was not, a, I wouldn't say a significant portion, but definitely a percent of my friends that that just forgot or didn't get to, you know, just didn't get to it. Um, which is disappointing for sure. But I think that the, of of those that did, it, it was a, a very similar experience in that, um, it really was just you know, their parents pointing here, here, and here, and then you just fill in a dot. And yes, you're the one casting the vote, and, and yes, it's legally yours now. But I do think that, uh, I think especially the first time, it 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 doesn't. Uh, it isn't really as representative of you as an individual and more mm-hmm. so uh, your upbringing and your parents and, and all the voices around you. Yeah. But did you notice any uh, trends with it? Like, were most of your friends or people your, people your age voting Democrat or Republican or not voting at all? Um, I think that it pretty much aligned with a lot of my, a lot of the conceptions I had about my friends and their families before voting. I, you know, I would say most of my friends tend to lean left and I think they represented that in their vote as well. Um, like I said, there was some that didn't vote, um, just not intentionally, not as, as a political statement by any means, just because, uh, you know, the, the window is short and when you don't get to it, you don't get to it. There's, you know, there's no exceptions. And so, uh, I think there was, there was some of that as well, which, you know, I would hope is, is, um, you know, just a product of, of, of neglect that, that is, can, you know, be easily fixed in future elections and stuff like that. And I, and I do think, you know, we know that young people tend to vote, um, you know, strongly and significantly and in masses and so I, I do have faith that that is not a um you know a, a chronic issue but um mm-hmm. I think that just you know in large it, it definitely was uh along very similar lines to two uh conceptions that I had about my friends and their political allegiances prior to actually voting mm-hmm. all right moving on uh what can you tell us about your internship experience so far and what specifically do you do so I am specifically I am an intern for a company called Capital Strategies, which is uh, a campaign fundraising company, and currently, uh, you know, with a variety of, of, of clients, all Democratic clients. But uh, you know, the Adam Schiff Adam Schiff's election in California for the for the California Senate seat, the Feinstein seat in twenty twenty four, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's it's a very prominent election. It's it's you know in all likelihood a Democrat will be elected, and so it, it really isn't a matter of Democrat versus Republican, but more Democrat versus Democrat. And we have a you know three prominent Democrats in that race. Um, we work specifically for Adam Schiff's campaign, and we're responsible for the entire fundraising side of the campaign. And so, uh, and that's been the most significant um, you know campaign that I've that I have engaged with so far. Um, and so that pretty much consists of, so we have like certain fundraising events and these are most of the time and the homes of individuals that have offered to sponsor the event. Um, and so when we have these events, I am, you know, typically running like the check-in booth. And so I have, mm-hmm. um, you know, a table with name tags laid out and a list in hand and I check off names and I greet people. And, um, you know, my responsibilities pretty much just consist of that, uh, at least for now. And so, uh, you know, if it's a two hour event, I spend the first hour, hour and a half at the door, and then I make my way eventually into the program, which tends to, you know, which is really cool because I get to watch, um, you know, Adam speak from, you know, yeah. in, to a, a group of 20. And so it's not very often you get to find yourself in like that kind of an intimate setting with a, uh, you know, a candidate of, of, of that kind of significance. And so I've gotten to hear him speak directly. I've shaken his hand. It's very cool. It's kind of the first experience that I've had, a direct experience, at least with with prominent uh, political figures. And so it's, and, and I, I also just individually, I really, I, I'm a big fan of Adams and I think that he um, would be great for California. And so not only is he a significant political figure, but he's a significant uh, political figure who I've already, who I've been a fan of and continue to be a fan of. And so yeah. getting to hear him speak mm-hmm. and, and, and watch how he carries himself and how he engages with donors and stuff like that, especially as someone who, who down the line sees themselves as wanting to go into public service and then eventually have those same interactions he's a really great role model for me just yeah. individually because I, I, you know, I get to observe him and pick up on a lot of what he does and, and kind of translate that to my own, um, you know, presentation of self. So before we get to the next group of questions, yeah. I, um, did you, as working as an intern, like recently, right? You yeah. Just started, just started. Have you seen yourself kind of being more interactive with California politics or have you always had a huge interest in California politics or has this internship kind of, bolstered your interest in it yeah no definitely i think i i think i've been exposed to california politics more so than i have and especially exposed directly um you know most specifically in terms of the donors that i'm engaging with these are a lot of really significant california donors all i mean almost entirely from california that's kind of the base that we work with um most significantly and so i spend a lot of time interacting with these people and 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 getting a sense of like what the um you know like what california voters are looking for and especially um you know, the big money California donors, because unfortunately, as you know, that is how our system and our political system runs is, is off of, of money. And, and so uh, it's, it's really important as someone who is interested in politics to get to see what the people who are providing the money are, are in favor of and what their agendas are and how, you know, those compare and contrast with the political agendas of our actual representatives. Um, I do think that my uh, political interests have I've always gravitated more towards a national level, and that's kind of been where I've been, uh, you know, in, in school at least, is where I've um, kind of focused my interest on, has been national politics. So it definitely is nice to get, to get more of a, of a state uh, experience as well. It isn't something that I have been, um, have engaged with as much in the past, and so that's been really cool. Cool. Um, so you kind of answered this a little bit before, talking about how Adam Schiff is a role model for you, but... Um, which other politicians excite you or maybe even scare you a little bit when you look at the scene right now? I think, um, you know, I think the, the politicians that excite me, I, I would definitely say are, are, are uh, the younger people. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, as is, is, is pretty uh, you know, commonly said these days, it, it is time for a new generation of politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and kind of move away from the uh the establishment and and what has been the establishment for a long time um and you know get a new have uh, usher a new generation and and with that comes new ideals and new agendas and, and yeah. also just the youthful excitement that i think is is lacking right now so i, I do think a lot of the prominent uh, younger politicians I, I hakeem jeffries uh, the minority speaker mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot um i think he's really cool and very exciting he has a promising career ahead of him you know adam schiff is not the youngest but um he he does have, a, have an energy about him that's, that's very attractive and endearing and i think that mm-hmm. um you know that's impressive and, and it's something that um is, is definitely important for politicians and he and he does it very well he embodies it very well um also you know yeah. ro Khanna, congressman ro Khanna from california he's uh he's he's young but he's he's very progressive he's maybe even too liberal for me but mm-hmm. he's i think it's important to have someone like that or someone like schiff or someone like hakeem jeffries who are young and can bring a important youthful perspective yeah into politics. absolutely and that obviously goes with the themes of, of this podcast as well and so i think that that's very compatible but um yeah i mean i i think just just generally i would say young and exciting is is what i is what i look Ooh, yeah. for um but also people that you know I, I think that unfortunately the political climate is such that it, it does require a certain um you know, individual mm-hmm. archetype that you is necessary in order to have to find you know significant political success political success on a national level and so um you know as much as i you know i wish that i could you know the the certain there were certain individuals and and, and people that that i you know i i really love and i think would be great for the country again it comes back to that idea of like what is realistic and and, mm-hmm. and can these people win and i think that that again to me is the most important thing is like what is like what can actually happen and so mm-hmm. can you know no matter how much i like this person and how exciting they may be can they actually win and are they capable of once they win yeah. uh, actually creating real change and if if that's not something that i think is possible um you know in the in the current political climate then it, 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 it serves as a little bit of a deterrent because it's hard to support someone who you you know you might really love what they're saying and and, and what they represent yeah. but you don't think they're capable of actually they have um, no chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Either they can't win or, or um, you know, once in office, it would just be too much of a challenge for them yeah. to get any of their political agenda through. And so I think that in those cases, it's tough to, you know, it, it's certainly a dilemma because you want to continue supporting them. But at the same time, mm-hmm. if you don't think they're capable of, of, of doing anything, it's it's tough. It's tough. And so I think that striking a balance is, is really important. A lot of times there's a great politician, like I see this all, all the time with, with our mom. She gets very excited over someone, but... She's this person is from Kentucky or Louisiana yeah. in Tennessee, and obviously they're not going to win. Yes, yeah. A Democrat or a liberal we're not, is not going to win in that situation, right. so they kind of die out, even though they're so exciting, and that's a shame. Yeah, I think one other name that I want to just throw in there is Stacey Abrams. I think that mm-hmm. she's that's um, exactly what happened. Yeah, she's really cool, um, and has been a great voice, and and she's someone who. Um, despite having the odds stacked against her in Georgia, has 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 really you know gone above and beyond in terms of the work that she's done there and, and how much she's been able to contribute um, to Georgia state politics, especially um, you know in terms of like voter registration and voter rights. That's been something that she's, she's been a huge champion of that and 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 has and the, you know has the, you know created real results. And so that is something again like coming back to the whole concept of results, she is someone that kind of embodies that and has and has the receipts to prove what of what she is capable of. And so I think that not only is she exciting, but she's also, um, you know, has is doing it, is really doing it. Yeah. Um so I think kind of 
answered this, but what are your predictions for the upcoming California Senate race? Are you confident in Schiff? Kind of answered that, but yeah. do you have any thoughts on like Katie well, the other the, or the opponents? Yeah, so you know, in getting to hear Schiff speak, this is this is um, a question that he gets asked a lot, and has I've seen him address it. Um, and so I think I'm gonna mirror a lot of what he says in his response. Um, I like Schiff a lot. I I I'm not confident. I don't think that right now he's. I'm not. I don't. I'm not uh, confident in his in his defeat either. I think that it's just gonna be a really close election. I think it's gonna be a great election. Um, and it is a win-win at the end of the day because Katie Porter is is also great. Um, but again, Katie Porter is is uh, very liberal, where Schiff is liberal. And again, I think that that Schiff um, won. You know, I I I I like him. You know, as in in term when it comes down to Katie Porter versus Schiff, which I think it, in all likelihood will. Um, and right now the polls are very close. Barbara Lee's kind of falling behind a little bit yeah. to the point mm-hmm. where I don't think that she's going to be able to climb back into the race. Um, but between the two. Again, I think that they're both great, but Schiff has done it before. He's been doing it. He's been in Congress a long time. Yeah. Um, Isn't Katie Porter the first term right now? I feel like she just got elected. I think she just got elected. This might be... She's either been there for two years or four years, and I'm not entirely sure. But she's young. Um, well, compared to Schiff, it's still... Yeah, yeah, yeah no, so. either way. Schiff has uh, significantly more time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A veteran, for sure. Um... And so, yeah, I think it will end up coming down to Democrat versus Democrat and, and being Schiff versus Porter. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what uh, the outcome will be. I mean, we've, we're a long way away still, like 18 months or so. And so yeah. it's tough to, you know, things change, especially with polls. Polls are always very volatile. And so it's really hard to kind of render any kind of judgment now so far removed from the actual election. But I think it'll be really exciting to see what, what progresses. And I think that Schiff has momentum right now. And I think that, you know, as long as... He's able to keep it up, and and eventually, uh, you know, they're gonna go on national television or at least state television and start having mm-hmm. debates and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, with, with a good performance or a couple or a string, you know, a couple consecutive good performances, he might be able to start to you know widen that lead a little bit. Um, I don't know exactly what the polls are right now, but I know it's very close, and so yeah. it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it progresses. All right, yeah, shifting nationally, talked about this a little bit, but uh, Trump or DeSantis in the Republican nomination, and yeah, what do you feel about that? I, my theory has always been in terms of Trump versus DeSantis. I think a DeSantis victory in the Republican primaries would be the most beneficial for Democrats. Uh, I think that because I don't think that Trump would concede a primary defeat. I think that instead he would find another way to get himself into the general election. Um, and if, it, if he can't do that through the Republican Party, he might create his own party, run as an independent. I mean, there's a lot of uh, means at his disposal, and I think that he would take advantage of those. I don't see, I mean, given his, his track record and his past history, I don't see a situation where he, he you know, willingly steps down and, and, and then he takes it a step further and even endorses De- DeSantis. I think that the two of them have, um, you know, butted heads now long enough that there's no way, there's, there's too much animosity there for either one of them to, uh, you know... Accept defeat. Yeah, and do so respectfully. And, yeah. And I, but I do think, though, DeSantis would have an easier time doing that and throwing his support behind Trump. Mm-hmm. So just in terms of dividing the Republican Party and making, you know, and creating a, a um, an easier lane to victory for the Democrats, I think that it would benefit um, the Democrats a lot to, ha- to have Trump run as an independent and kind of split the party a little bit. And I think that, you know, to divide the vote in that way, because both candidates have, have pretty strong bases. And I think that both are capable. And I think the popularity of each is such that it would divide the party if they were both to run in the general. And so, um, you know, I, I would like to see a DeSantis victory and hope, you know, with the, 
idea that that theory of mine would play out and and hopefully uh make it make a democratic victory easier but yeah it's hard to tell mm-hmm. so with that kind of idea of splitting the party in mind when they go up when either of them whoever wins goes up against biden presumably think, biden presumably yeah. biden um do you think they have a chance do you think biden can defend his incumbency I th- you know it, again it's tough it, i i, I it's a shame that Biden's the only option, I think, is 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 my biggest conclusion mm-hmm. uh, more than anything mm-hmm. else. I, I really do wish there was someone younger and someone exciting. And, and I was hoping that someone would emerge, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And I think as yeah. the incumbent, it's really tough for um, especially an up and coming Democrat to challenge an incumbent and as established as Joe Biden. Yeah. And so it doesn't make much sense. But at the end of the day, but at the same time, uh, Biden's Biden's old and, and, and uh, you know, is is not a. Uh, particularly presidential figure, and so I I, I do think that it's not going to be easy for him to win again. I I, I all, at the same time, you know, he has he has bounced back from from the uh, the woes of the beginning of his uh, you know term, and so I think that he, he he's progressed and 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 has um you know now has 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 passed enough policy and 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 you know made enough change that he'll have something to show for it and so i do think that he has talking points and i don't think it's a lost cause by any means but it, it it's disappointing that there someone else wasn't able to emerge i don't understand i said i mean obviously it makes sense why biden would is the option but i don't understand i really feel like it'd be beneficial for every democrat if a gavin newsom ran or a cory booker ran or someone else. I but. think that at the end of the day, it comes at the end of the day, it comes down to who has the best chance of winning. Exactly, um, I was about to yeah. say, like they they yeah. don't have a chance. Gavin Newsom. We we have Biden already yeah. in the incumbency. We don't yeah. want to yeah. risk. Yeah. Well, liberals don't really want to risk trying to run someone else. Right. There, there would be an argument if Biden were to lose the the nomination. I feel like he would throw support behind. Biden your would. He would, and he would do so instantly. But at the yes. same time, if we have you know, if you introduce someone else into the election, then and you have. Uh, you know, primary debates. Then it be- then you 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 know, yeah, you're tearing down your incumbent, and and you know that that just it just it fuels the Republican narrative, and it, it's 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 really challenging. And I think that it's a little too late for, um, you know, that situation to arise. And so, I I think you know, it, Biden is 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 in all likelihood what we're gonna get in twenty twenty four. And I think he, I, I don't think by any means it's going to be, it's going to be a landslide, a Republican, landslide Republican victory. I think 2022 in the primary and uh, 2022 midterms prove that, but it's going to be, um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a challenging, a very challenging election regardless. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Before we jump into some of the lifestyle questions, I want to yeah. backtrack a little bit. We talked about this, but overall, do you feel encouraged or discouraged by, uh, you're the initial voting process for you when you were 18, seeing your friends vote, seeing people your age, was it an encouraging thing? I know you, you felt both, a little bit of both, but overall... Yeah, I think, I think I'm a little bit indifferent on that just because it, it just, it, it's kind of something that, I, I think that voting for the first time, it doesn't give you a chance to prepare and you don't really know what is required of you and the extent to which, you know, I, I also think like, this is, a, this is a, an observation that I haven't brought up yet, but just in terms of my friends, there's a lot on the ballot. There's a lot of different candidates and mm-hmm. a lot of different positions and a lot of different propositions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you think you're voting just, you know, in the mayoral election and then all of a sudden you see 20 different names and then 20 different propositions and you don't know yeah. what any of it means. And so I think that it's a little bit of a wake-up call the first time, you know, as I a first-time voter and that this is what, there is a, a certain level of, um, 
you know, research that is required. And if you want to, if you want to uh, be an informed voter, and if you want to know what you're voting for, it does require, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of, um, of background. And so I think that, you know, at least me having experienced that, I know what's required of me moving forward. And I would hope that um, the sentiment is similar among my friends and among other first time voters in that when we do vote again in 2024. Uh, Wesley, of course, you'll know a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when, you know, when 2024 comes around and, we, and it's time to vote again, I, I, at least me, I know I will uh, devote a significant yeah. more time to preparing myself. Um, and going in, going in informed as opposed to kind of doing it on the fly. Yeah. All right. So we've kind of got all the politics out yeah. of the way. We're going to shift to, we called this the lightning round last time. It was but a terrible name. It's not a good name. So we're going to call it the lifestyle questions right now. Where? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. All good. No worries. Uh, lifestyle questions. Okay, more, kind of, more kind of get to know you questions. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll kick it off. How was your first year at Wesleyan? Was it a scary transition from Brentwood? Um, my first year at Wesleyan was great. Uh, I, you know, I, I say this to everyone who asks, it exceeded all of my expectations completely. Um, going in, I was, I was totally freaking out. It's a, it's a, it, you know, this is the transition from high school to college is, there's a lot of uh, significance put on it uh, by, you know, the adults in your life and, and by, you know, people around you. And, and it, it's absolutely something that uh, is going to be stressful no matter who you are. Um, I think that in you know my own transition, I got really I was really fortunate in that I made, uh, good friends pretty quickly, uh, and and friends that I have you know stayed I stayed friends with, with throughout the first you know my my whole freshman year and 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 uh, kids who have since become some of my closest friends and so I think in that sense I was very lucky and fortunate to have met those people so early, because um, it made my transition a lot easier, and I know had I not I think I would have been challenged a little bit more but overall I would say that. Um, you know, the first month is, is going to suck no matter who you are. Orientation week, yeah. uh, it couldn't be more awkward. Um, you know, you, they have you play icebreaker games and you sit in, you know, huge assemblies for hours and listen to speakers surrounded by people that you have never met before or talked to. And, and it's, it's awkward and it's stressful and it's uncomfortable, but, um, you know, it's a part of growing up. And I think that it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a pretty ubiquitous experience among, uh, freshmen in college. And so I wouldn't say that, um, I, you know, I would say that, it, you know, those experiencing it, you're not, uh, you're not alone in that. And it gets easier. It absolutely gets yeah. easier. All right. Thank you. Um, so Ted, you've received insight that you were a DJ. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite house music artist? Uh, you know, instantly I would say Fred again. Um, he's fantastic. Um, more specifically, you know, he's, he's very mainstream. And so I, uh, you know, his name is definitely out there and I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, can relate to the fandom. Uh, I'm a big fan of a DJ, named, a French DJ named Fallamore, who's, uh, you know, produces, uh, music that's a little bit more in the genre. It's like a, like a disco house genre. Um, so like seventies and eighties disco combined with more of like a modern house beat and stuff like that. And I, I really like him and that's kind of the specific genre of house that I'm most interested in and the genre that I hope to um, eventually be able to produce. And so he, he, him specifically in the genre that I like, but you know, more broadly, I think Fred again is, is fantastic and a musical genius. Cool. Last question. Any advice for high school students who are starting the college process? I would say, I think that this is, uh, you know, when I was in your position, I thought it was super cliche and people would tell me that no matter where you end up, you're going to like it. And it's not always true. I know a lot of people that have transferred and don't like where they end up. I would say my own experience, Wesleyan was not on my radar going into the college application process. Um, 
I kind of had had limited myself to a couple schools that I that I uh, desperately wanted to see myself at and and closed myself off to other options and I applied to Wesleyan because they had no supplemental essays and it was easy and I, all I had to do was submit my personal statement and it ended up being uh, a, you know it is a great place for me and I had a fantastic first year and I went in kind of completely blind applied completely blind um, I would say that there's a lot of great options out there and a lot of great uh, you know unique programs and stuff like that that a variety of schools offer and so I think if you know yourself and you know your interests the college application process is not um, as challenging as it's made out to be because if you know yourself and you go into college knowing yourself, it you, you'll find your way. Um, and if you don't, the great thing is applying to transfer is significantly easier. And then mm-hmm. you're in the same position where there's a fantastic amount of options out there. Um, I think just just, just generally, uh, it's going to be stressful. It's going to suck. You, you have to push through it. Um, these are all things that you'll hear, that you'll hear a lot um, as juniors and then eventually as seniors is that you know, it all sucks and you have to, you know, you persevere and then eventually you're rewarded. And, and I just think the biggest thing is that there's a lot of great places to end up. Um, and you will find your way, if not initially, uh, eventually, but it is absolutely out there. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Jack. Game show time. Game show time. Thank you, Ted Greenberg. Thank you, Ted. For your wonderful interview. Um, big bro. And now, yeah, game show time. So to quickly summarize again, we will, Jack and I will ask each other three questions related to history, geography, current events, kind of the, the themes of the show in general. Yep. And each episode, the winner of each <coughs> round will get a point. At the end of the season, we're still figuring out how many episodes are going to be in the season, but at the end... Um, the person with the most points will be crowned the winner, and then obviously the loser. And we are considering having a, a prize for the winner and a punishment for the loser. Yep. Both to be determined. Um, current score is Sam Greenberg one, one Jack zero. Stalford zero. All right, Jack, hit me. Let's go. First question of the day: After President, former President Richard Nixon was impeached and removed from office, which man took over the Gerald mantle? Gerald Ford. Office? Yep. Light work. Light work. Okay. One zero. One nil. All right, Jack. Yeah. Name. There were two. I think there were two. There were two, maybe two, Secretary of States under Barack Obama. Two Secretary of States. They're very famous. Name one of them. Uh, Either one. Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. That's light work. Light work. Come on. Also, John Kerry. Who's the other guy? You got one more. Okay, I'm going to just look this up so I know, so I can fact check because one of them you can mix up with two different people. Right, look it up. So, look it up, boy. I, my, my question, as I'm looking it up, name the four men on Mount Rushmore. Okay. Abe Lincoln, mm-hmm. George Washington, mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson, yep, Theodore, Theodore Roosevelt. Bang. That was light work. Let's go. Damn. Two, one. Good job, Greenberg. All right. All right, hit me. We were discussing the Mediterranean earlier. Mediterranean Sea for a tragedy. Not but geography, man. Name me three. Islands in the Mediterranean. Greece. Greece is the country. No, what do you mean? I- oh, an Greece island? Islands, specific islands. It could be a country or a territory. It could be a country or a territory. Is Madagascar no. in the Mediterranean? No, not close. Mediterranean is between like Africa and Europe, like that. Between Africa and Europe. Three islands. There's some very famous islands. An island. Bring. My phone is going off. Hold on. Okay, we're back. Okay. Sorry for that interruption. My yep. phone. 
Well, um, okay, question was... Remind you of the question, three islands of the Mediterranean can be countries or territories. Does Jack know? Give me Fiji. No. Okay. When I... <laughs> like, like... Italy. What's an island off the coast of Italy? It's, it's an island off the coast of Italy. One island. We're gonna, we're gonna drop it to one. Give me an island in the Mediterranean. This is like, this is gettable now. In the Mediterranean. I don't think this is too hard. One island in the Mediterranean Ocean. What is... Hold on, let me cook. I don't know what's going to happen. This is... This I don't is, know what's going to happen. This is extremely sad. An island. Give me a hint. Give me a letter. S. This is the, probably the biggest one, I think. S? Yeah. It's a territory. Not a territory. It's a part of a country. What country? It's part of Italy. I, it's a no. It's a no. <laughs> Sicily. Is, Sicily. I've never Ibiza. been to Sicily. You know Ibiza? Ibiza, Spain? Yeah. Ibiza's an island? Yeah. Okay, anyway. Next question. My last question for the Green Borg. Wait, what's the score right now? 2-1? Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. One. Where is win. Melania Trump originally from? It's a good one. It's a good question. I'd love to say Russia, but I'm not sure. I'll give you two guesses because you gave me extra time on the Mediterranean one. It's a good question. I really like this question. I know it's Eastern Europe. Give me, give me Russia. You got another guess because that one was incorrect. Give me... Do you want a hint? I'm feeling Poland. No, no, give me a hint because I'll get it. Give me Poland or Lithuania. Or... What is your final answer? Uh, I'm telling you right now it's not Lithuania. Romania. No. What? Melania Trump is from Slovenia. Oh, I would never have got that. Slovenia? Okay, if I get this... Luka Doncic. Wait, what happens if I get this? We will... It's a push? We each get a point? Rock, paper, scissors. No. Yeah. Ring, rock, paper, scissors. No, we should just each get a point here. What was this? This is uncharted territory, Sam. We'll, we'll see. You gotta yeah, get this first. You gotta get this first. I gotta get it first, yeah. Alright, hit me. Did you know where Melania Trump is from? I actually did know okay. where Melania okay. Trump is from. Currently, I learned it in a... Borat, the second Borat movie. Oh, yeah. Okay, currently there's a major worker strike occurring in Europe. Which country? France. Alright. It's 2 2. What do we do? That was light work. It's 2 2. What do we do? do Hold on. Some? We will be back when we find a solution. We've come right. up with a solution. Jack has a good idea. After much deliberation, this week will go to next week as a push. And next week's contest Winner will gets count two points. as two points. Double the money. Double it up next week. It's so, so next week make sure to tune in next week because it's going to be a fiery round. Let's go. We might do five questions. Let's go. Yeah. Five questions next week. Six questions next week. Actually. Because it's double. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All we'll right. We'll figure it out. We will see you That concludes week. episode two. Thank you, Ted Greenberg. Thank you, Ted. For your lovely interview. Um, I'm Jack Stalford. Yeah. Uh, Jack and I, it's becoming summertime, so we will be away. We will try to get one out next week. We think we can. Might be over, over Zoom. Zoom. Who knows? It'll be over Zoom, so be mindful of sound quality. But yeah, we're excited. This was A Youthful Take, signing off. Thank you for listening. Bye.